Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Shadows, an author and ghost story. And Mike Ricksecker, we have a fantastic and fun episode coming up for you tonight. We're going to be talking about all of those crazy monoliths that are out there right now. And, well, we'll take it a few steps further than that, and we'll get into what monoliths really are. We'll get into some ancient monoliths and the like. But uh, right now, we're going to start with uh, these fun monoliths that have been popping up all over the place uh, over the last several weeks. An uh, interesting way to end up uh, or close out 2020. Uh, but first, of course, we've got to mention that this episode of Beyond the Shadows brought to you by a hundred road roast. It helps young ghosts. That is our coffee. You can find that out at hauntedroadmedia.com. You can also find it on my website, mikerickseker.com. And actually, for the holidays at mikerickseker.com, I have a bunch of holiday deals out there right now. You can get all kinds of uh, autographed books. You can get T-shirts, the coffee, uh, ghosties out there, uh, up to 25% off. So they're all different percentages. Uh, and I think it's uh, the lowest is like 12%, and then all the way up to 25% off, you can get... Uh, all kinds of different merch and autograph books and, and what have you out there at MikeRicksecker.com. I also want to thank everybody who has been voting for the Paranormal Rewind Re uh, Awards. So uh, I was nominated, just announced last night. I was nominated for uh, Best Paranormal Book for A Walk in the Shadows, a uh, complete guide to shadow people, and for uh, their award called Paranormal Trailblazer Award, which Victoria Monday was telling me that that's kind of like their uh, director award. It's supposed to be like the, the prestige award, uh, for lack of a better term. So I'm very, very honored uh, by that to be nominated for two awards from uh, Paranormal Rewind. You can check them out, paranormalrewind.com. I know uh, Quarantine Ghost has been putting the link in the chat this evening on Edge of the Rabbit Hole, and now she's thrown it down there at Beyond the Shadows. So thank you all very, very much for those that have been voting for me for that. So um, absolutely uh, am honored and really couldn't do it without uh, you guys. You guys have been a, a fantastic support. Also want to uh, thank uh, Nicole Guillaume, my, my girlfriend, uh, Guiding Echoes channel, uh, who has been extremely supportive here uh, for, for quite a while now. And um, yeah, it's just 2020 has turned out to be an amazing year. Even with all the craziness going on, 2020 has been uh, extraordinary. You know, it started you know, early this year with uh, the Alaska Triangle. Yeah, it filmed in 2019, but um, the Alaska Triangle came out here at the beginning of 2021. <laughs> 2020, 2021 is coming up here in a few weeks. Um, and then, you know, life changes and what have you in the middle of the year. But, um, you know, the new Shadow Dimensions project is going to be coming out. And, you know, there was fantastic filming done for that. I had the book come out, A Walk in the Shadows, and just so many interesting opportunities have come up, like the Ireland trip. If you haven't signed up for the Ireland trip, there's only a handful of spots left. Uh, so you can find that at MysteriousAdventuresTours.com. Of course, the uh, the Egypt trip that we were talking about with, with Johnny's come up. Now the uh, UFO Mega Conference in, in Laughlin. Um, so that's UFO, uh, Laughlin, uh, UFO mega conference.com. So all these different things have been popping up here and, you know, it's, you know, all these, all these years, all the support from, from you guys over those years. Um, it's just been amazing. So, you know, this is some, these are things that are usually saying like a year end, we're getting close enough. Um, this is our second to last episode here uh next week will be the last so i guess i should mention that that next week is our last episode of the year uh rob gutro on edge of the rabbit hole for that and i didn't decide on a topic yet for beyond the shadows but that'll be coming up so in any case as we roll into 2021 we've had these very bizarre monoliths popping up at the end of 2020. Now, it really all started with these, um, or this, monolith in Utah. It's about, it was, because it's been removed, about uh, 10 to 12 feet tall. And it was this me metallic object that was just found out there, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And 
I guess going back through the imagery, it was deduced that it was originally set up there out in 20, uh, back as far as 2015. Why it was uh, erected there, we don't know the full story of, of what happened there, its, it's actual origins. Um, a lot of people speculate it was part of a movie set or a, uh, a set for a TV show, and it was just left out there. So it's been there for you know a handful of years now. But it was recently discovered in a flyover of the area. And once it was uh, once it was discovered, we've seen a plethora of monoliths suddenly popping up. So, like I said, it's been removed. The uh, was it Utah Land Management, whatever the organization is is called, uh, did not want people going up there. But of course, people went up there anyway. And whether uh, Utah moved it or one of the people that went up there to go visit it you know, grabbed it and removed it. We don't know. They're being kind of quiet about that. Um, our friend Lee, Lee Ehrlich had some interesting comments about that because, of course, I've been posting some of the stuff on uh, on my Facebook, and uh, he's one of our Haunted Road Media authors. And so he's it's, it's funny because he's like a little... Uh, <laughs> he's a little perturbed about all of the... Because there was a lot of false press about it at first. And so Lee was saying, uh, this was discovered by some of the guys from the Sparks Motor Company. They were out doing some fly and metal detecting via Dave Sparks helicopter. They detected an anomaly on the ground while looking for anything uh, in an old riverbed, and they discovered a uh, big geocache that somebody left in hopes that this exact thing would happen. So um, kind of some interesting comments there from, from Lee. And, yeah, it's just one of those bizarre things that this object that was presumably left out there um, – has now sparked so much of an interest, but to me, it's it, it's fascinating. It, it's it's something that has brought the world together. And we mentioned that when we had Johnny uh, Enoch on Edge of the Rabbit Hole uh, a little while ago, because the monolith came up during that conversation. And one of the things that we did talk about very briefly was that you know with with the internet now, something like this kind of goes viral and. Yeah, there may be a lot of other copycats out there, but it's something that's kind of united the world. We have all of this craziness going on right now with with COVID and, and other things going on in the world. Um, you know, we had all of the uh, social tensions uh, this year. Of course, we just had this uh, all the ridiculous stuff going on with the presidential elections, all these areas of strife throughout 2020. And here's something that to me is a little... It's fun. You know, there, there's a fun aspect to this. There's a playful aspect to it because all these different monoliths that are popping up, I mean, I don't believe that they're, you know, supernatural or, or anything like that. But we're going to get into some of those aspects with some of the real monoliths. But this is something that I think is culturally fun um, on a global scale. So, um Robert Hannett adds all the weirdness of 2020, including the murder hornets. Yeah, you don't hear about the murder hornets anymore. But uh, then uh, Tom McNicholas, 2020, and Mike's Odyssey. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that too, for sure. Uh, so, uh, Sarah Yusuf, can you really call it a monolith since there seem to be multiple? Yeah, actually, we'll get into the definition of a monolith here. They, they absolutely are monoliths. Um Alina, the fam question, since all the models have turned out to be fake and created by people, how will we know when one is actually real? Good question. Um, well, here's the thing. So I, I guess I'll get into the definition of a monolith now. I was going to save it until we got into like the, the real monolith. So definition of a monolith is a large single upright block of stone, especially one shaped into or serving as a pillar or monument. That, that's one definition. It uh, doesn't necessarily have to be stone, but our ancient monoliths are. Um, so it's basically a single pillar standing up upright, and, and that's and that's what you have. So these are, by definition, 
real monoliths. They're not. I, I in in one sense, they're not actually fake. They're they're modern creations. People copying each other in in doing this, but they are actually erecting monoliths now. They're not in the context that we that we have come to over the years. Think about it, like uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, or some of the you know ancient monoliths that we're used to seeing. These are like a more modern version of it, um, with no uh, significance other than you know, we're erecting these to. Uh, whether it's almost like a, a prank or to have fun. Um, and some people are erecting them because, and, and there there are people that have admitted to, yes, we erected it. Um, and it's in light of COVID, they're trying to, to do something to uh, bring people together. So and we'll, we'll get into some of that as, as we go along. Now, these things have been all over the place. And there was no way for me to you know, grab photos from every location that has uh, had them erected. But I wanted to show a few. So right after Utah uh, was Romania. And this was the first real, this was the first copycat one. You know, the, the Utah one was just a, a left behind or, or, you know, something, something somebody had put out there years ago and was just now found. Um, you know, whether it was from a movie set or whether it was geocaching or, or whatever, it was out there for years, finally found. Well, somebody in Romania erected one. Now, the, the funny thing about this was the one in Utah disappeared. It's like, oh, it was there a few days later. Now it's gone. And then somebody in Romania erected this. And so there was a lot of, you know, Internet strangeness out there of whether it had like teleported over there or, or something, you know, like that. But you can tell just by looking at it. And I apologize to those on the podcast. You're not going to see the photos. Um, you can join us live Tuesday nights right here on Beyond the Shadows, um, Edge of the Rabbit Hole YouTube channel. You can see with the one in Romania, all these weird circular marks on it. So this is something that somebody else has put together. And that was pretty obvious right off the bat that this was something that was very, very different. Uh, even though it was another monolith, um, you know, it was not the same one from Utah. But then other places around the world, of course, started copying again. So this one in Pittsburgh is right outside of a candy store, you know, and it's on the sidewalk. It's not even bedded into the ground. It's on some sort of like metal plate or whatever. And it's set up right outside the candy store. So now this, you, you can almost see the commercialism here. Like, okay, here, here's our monolith. Come to the candy store. <laughs> you know, it's, it, we've set up an attraction here uh, for you. So now everybody's walking by Grandpa Joe's candy shop in, in Pittsburgh. Now, whether the people at the candy shop did it or not, um, nobody is fessed up. Uh, but to me, it, it, uh, it almost seems a little obvious that you know this would be an attraction to people coming to to the shop so um then there's one here in austin texas so they're just they're popping up all over and this one actually looks really nice the way it's set up in the park um it actually uh looks like a feature that would be there uh in, in this nice little park area then we had one show up in England. Here's another one. This is on the uh, Isle of Wight. Um, you know, you have this beautiful scenery here. This one is a lot more, it, it's more shiny. Uh, it has, you know, it has almost like a trapezoidal type of uh, top to it. You have the sun, the sun shining off of it. It's actually a rather beautiful uh, monolith. And it, it's also interesting that all of these, uh, happen to be metal. I, I guess we have an easier time working with metal now than trying to carve something out of stone, of course. Um, and yeah, uh, Robert Hanna is asking, is it a glass model? No, that's actually metal. It's just a very, very shiny metal. Uh, more recent one here that's shown up over the past day. This is a definitely not shiny metal. Um, it's it's rather um, rather dull. But 
uh, it's uh, Canyon County Park. This is in California, right next to the highway, but it's uh, near a hiking path and, again, just kind of showed up there uh, a day ago. California has had a, a bunch of these now. It seems to be a growing trend out there, so um, it's it's not just that one. I'm going to show another one here in just a moment, but uh, there are several that have been showing up out there in California. So there's that one. Then uh, San Luis Obispo uh, County. So this one uh, was erected, was taken down, and has been re-erected. And as a more permanent feature, I, I guess the people that have put this up, and we'll, we'll show these guys here uh, in just a moment, but the, the guys that have put this up um, were actually artists. And oh, where is the information on these guys? I had it up here. I don't know why it disappeared on me, but um, yeah, so they were they were artists who basically admitted, yes, we had erected this. Uh, they have the the new structure that's there now uh, again more permanent. They've added concrete to it, and it's it's going to be there. And one of the things that they wanted to do was kind of. Uh, in, encourage people that are cooped up with, you know, with COVID to get out onto like the hiking trails and the fresh air and what have you. Um, and this, this is them uh, actually building it. And I wanted to give you a little bit more information uh, about these guys, but for some reason, um, what I had brought up uh, has disappeared. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> Do these preparations and then the stuff disappears on you. So now there are some other uh, memes that have come out now uh, that are certainly more playful. Uh, there's Sasquatch with a with a tinfoil monolith and then uh, this one that, that Nicole forwarded to me uh, with the Utah monolith with a message. Hello, we've been trying to reach you about your vehicle's extended warranty. So People are getting very, very playful about uh, all of these different uh, monoliths. And again, I think it's something that is almost like a unique way to end this crazy year of 2020 that you know, we've had all of this ridiculousness going on all year. And here's a much more playful way to bring the world together uh, you know, with all the strife that's been going on. Let's end, end the year on a good note. For those keeping score at home, I don't know of anybody who had monoliths on their scorecard for December 2020. So um, I think there's a few comments here. Uh, Robert Hannon, the new crop circles are these monoliths. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of that thing. You know, we had the crop circles. And crop circles... Well, we're not going to dive deep in that. We've, we'll get Freddie Silva on to, one of these days again to talk more about uh, crop circles. And we've had him on talking a little bit about that before because there are certainly man-made crop circles, and there are actually some real ones, uh, which is a quite interesting phenomenon. So in Candy Orton, yeah, it's, it's innocent at this point. Some are funny, and it's getting us engaged in conversation about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely become a very viral thing. Uh, it is getting us in conversation about it. Oh, the other thing about those guys that are uh, that I thought was interesting about one of the reasons why they built their monolith, the, the artists that have actually admitted to it, um, they said that they were inspired by uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, which I found kind of interesting because, um, you know, if that one hadn't been found in Utah and all these other copycat ones hadn't been showing up all over the place. Would they have really built one themselves? I, I don't think so. Um, as much as they have been inspired by 2001, a space odyssey, I would guess it's something that they would have done years ago. Not now after all these other ones have appeared, but speaking of 2001, a space odyssey, um, that is where people are seemingly most familiar with uh, the concept of the monoliths. So 
Let's go ahead and talk about that for a little bit. So this is what people remember uh, about uh, monoliths. They remember the, you know, the monkeys there by this tall, black, slender, um, well, it, it looks like a black stone, or is it black metal? Uh, we don't really, we don't really know. It's tall, black, shiny, and slender. Uh, it, it's actually alien technology. Um, if you go to the book by Arthur C. Clarke, he, it, uh, he explains a little bit, uh, well, actually probably quite a bit more uh, within the book about what these things actually are and that, uh, you know, these these ancient aliens that were some of the uh, original entities in the universe had uh, created these uh, and, and sent them out into, you know, different potential uh, solar systems that looked like they would have uh, something worthwhile for intelligent life. And in this instance, uh, with the with the monkeys, they seemingly evolve uh, after this happens, and so they each each uh, monolith seems to have its own function, its own technology within it. Um, and so, you know, later on, as we get further into the movie, there's Bowman with the, the monolith that appears in this, uh, in this room that he ends up in the bed in. Uh, and so this is kind of the catalyst throughout the, the movie. Um, you know, we have these different monoliths that appear and they seemingly, uh, send humanity on their quest and to keep leveling up for lack of a better term, uh, but basically to keep, to keep evolving and keep discovering, uh, you know, secrets of the universe and, and what have you. And so that's what they're used for in that movie, that book. And it's an interesting concept or I guess an interesting device that's used for the concept that Arthur C. Clarke was, um, was giving us. And yeah, Robert, yeah, the ending was weird. <laughs> yeah. It's a little trippy. The ending is definitely trippy. Uh, that's for sure. But when we get into our own history in what monoliths are. Again, we go back to, you know, the definition of what a monolith is. Large single upright block of stone, especially one shaped into or serving as a pillar or monument. Um you know, that's that's a lot of different things. Um so obviously obelisks. This is Karnak in Egypt. And these obelisks right here are actually monoliths. They are single upright blocks of stone projected high up into the air. These are actually ancient monoliths. Um, and the Egyptians put these up everywhere. Now, those these metal ones that have been uh, popping up everywhere kind of resemble these uh, to a degree. Now, they're, the, these metal ones have more of a flat top. Uh, and of course, the obelisks have the the point. Basically, it's a it's a pyramid on top of uh, the stone pillar that is tapered itself. Uh, but these are actually monoliths from thousands of years ago. Sarah Yusuf asked a question: What do you think would happen if it was determined if these monoliths were alien in origin? Um, Well, interesting question. I don't, they're, they're not alien in origin, especially when you have people that are coming forth and admitting and they have the photos there to prove it that they are actually creating them. Um, but if they were alien, I, I guess this is a very hypothetical, if there were some of them alien in origin, um, We have such an issue with the disclosure right now. Um, you know, there's there's footage that is being leaked a little bit here, a little bit there of 
of UFOs in the air. Um, if they were to, if we're, if they were to reveal some of these appearing on the ground like this, or actually alien, that might spook a few more people just because you're seeing um, physical interaction and material left behind as a structure. And so that might alarm a few more people rather than just something zipping through the air. Um, I think there would be a, certainly many, many people very interested in that, but I think it's quite different when you have something like an actual flying object, a UFO, you know, a saucer, a spaceship, whatever, um, coming down because it's not, it's not a permanent structure that you've built there. It's, it's a visitor. Um, when somebody actually starts constructing something like that, there's a sense of permanence there. And if they're building a structure onto our land, they're basically saying, yeah, we can, we can build something on your land at will whenever we want without you having one say-so one way or the other. So I think that would, that's where there would be a little bit more cause of alarm rather than just a spaceship coming down and visiting. Uh, again, you know, these monoliths are not alien in nature. And I know when like the first one appeared in, in Utah, um, you know, there are a lot of people that were speculating that maybe it was and what have you. Um, you know, but once you start seeing these other ones pop up all over the place that are quite clearly copycats of it, um, I mean, maybe somebody could still make the debate for the one in Utah. Uh, but I think there's been enough that's come out about it that, you know, it certainly wasn't. Um, but all the ones since then are, are definitely copycats, so not worried about it being alien. It's just, to me, it's something, it, it's an interesting aspect of our, of our culture and we as humans, that something like this sparks our interest and we want to mimic that. And as this has prolonged and more people are jumping on it and jumping on it, it's something that has, has brought us together as a planet. Um, and like I said, I think it's a great way to, to end out 2020 is, you know, as, as silly as it may be, it's something that has united us here at the end. Hey, where's the next monolith going to pop up? And, and, you know, so it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. Um, all right. So that was, uh, that was Karnak, but you know, we have a monolith right here in our country, too. Looks just like these obelisks at Karnak. That's the Washington Monument. Yes, the Washington Mon Monument is a monolith. It is, it's an obelisk just like um, all the ancient Egyptian monoliths as well. I mean, basically stylized, just the exact same. Um, so, but a lot of people just don't ever think of that. They we call it the Washington Monument. We don't ever really call it an obelisk, but that's exactly what it is. So, um, so this, what's different about this with the, with the Washington Monument is that um, it isn't, and I guess this is where you would say it's, it may not technically be a monolith. And the fact that it's not a single block of stone, um, it's many stones put together to create that. And there's also an elevator in there. So some people may not consider that a monolith. It's still an obelisk. Um, but an example of one here in the, in the United States, um, of course, also not as old as the others. And there's another question here from Donna Liska. Or is this a comment? Um, what I'm wondering is if there if the alien theory is tied to this the reasoning behind the giant pencil shape just something I'm pondering myself um I guess you're talking about the the shape of obelisks you know 
tall like that. Um, well, basically, what's going on here with the obelisks? So you're talking about, okay, many of these obelisks were granite in nature. Now, granite is like what, 55, 60% quartz. And so what they're doing with the obelisk is basically harnessing energy that's there in the ground. These are these are energy harnessing mechanisms. And so that a lot of our um, you know ancient sites of power use these different things like that to harness that power. We're going to show another one uh, here very very soon. Um, there are a lot of people who have shown uh, ways in which when you had course with these places in ruins right now it doesn't work anymore but uh, there are a lot of people who, who have shown that when you had these structures still intact thousands of years ago that the way the obelisks and other structures were uh were put together there that they were able to harness this power and you could enter into altered states of consciousness you could um uh, harness that energy for healing purposes. There are many people who speculate that it could open portals into other dimensions and, and things like this. Um, I mentioned Freddie Silva earlier, and when we had him on uh, the one time he mentions it in his books as well, uh, that when he was inside the Great Pyramid uh, at Giza, that you know they had uh, some time there where they were actually alone for a little while, and all the lights went out, but yet there was still... Um, light that actually came from these beans that came out from the, uh, basically from, from the walls. And so, you know, the energy there at the Great Pyramid was still being harnessed and these beans from some other dimension were able to come through, which is, you know, extremely fascinating. So that's what these outlets were, were used for. Now there's going to be people that, um, will say that, you know, maybe the aliens built you know, some of these structures or they may have taught the people at the time to build these and how to harness the energy. And that's going to be all, all debatable. I'm not going to go uh, down that road here, but, um, but yeah, but you know, those obelisks made of granite were uh, for harnessing, you know, that earth energy. All right. So uh, I missed a couple things here. So Victoria Monday at Quarantine Gifts. Are the obelisks capped with something metallic like the pyramids? Um, and some were, um, or they might have been capped with, well, like some of the pyramids, in, well, some of the obelisks were capped with what was known as like uh, a bin-bin stone, so a stone of another material used on uh, top to cap it, uh, again, having different properties. And the ancients knew how to, uh, you know, use, use the stones and different properties of stones to be able to get them to interact with each other in various ways for whatever purpose that they were trying to do. Like, you know, we, like we were talking about before with the altered states of consciousness or opening a portal or healing or what have you. They knew those different combinations. They knew the frequencies that different things resonated. And so, you know, if you had, I don't, I don't know, maybe pure quartz on top of something that was granite or, um, you know, I mean, gold on top of something that was pure quartz. I mean, you could have different combinations uh, put together to utilize them for, for different means. Um, you know, you had like with the, with the pyramids, they had the limestone, uh, or the granite casing around the limestone, uh, uh, blocks of the pyramid. And so that acted as an insulator for the, the structure inside. So they knew how to use, use their stones and the properties of the stones for, for different purposes. So yeah, some of them were, were capped, but like the, those ones you saw at Karnak were all one, uh, were all one piece. <laughs> Victoria Monday, what if the old obelisks are really docking stations for dirigibles for giants? <laughs> really? Um, okay, so they were just like, what, uh, tying off, tying off the rope on the obelisks? <laughs> very cute, very cute. 
Well, it does make you wonder uh, about some different locations. How massive they are in, in the blocks, the size of the blocks that were used. Um, were they giants that actually placed those? And, you know, there have been remains of giants that have been found all over the world, even though many of those have been hidden now. Uh, but, you know, we're finding like uh, the Denisovans, you know, we're finding that those were much larger people, um, you know, and they had massive, massive blocks there for, for their structures. And it's only a, a scant bit of, um, of archaeological evidence that we have found for them, but you know, what we're, we are seeing with them is they were much bigger people. So um, I think in the coming years, we're going to find out a lot more information about these these giants and, and larger people that did exist. There may be even some still out there today. So, all right. So moving on here, uh, Stonehenge. These are actually monoliths. Now, yeah, each one of these standing stones here is its own monolith. Um, they are put together in a circle, so it's a circle of monoliths. And you may ask about, well, but they seem to be connected. They're really monoliths. Yeah, the, they have the lintels on top, um, but the lintels are on top of the monoliths. So the monoliths are the standing stones there, and they have the lintels on top. So... Uh, you know, we talked, you know, about ancient sites of power. Where here, here's one right here where the monoliths were used uh, to do something of significance for the ancient people. So, another one of these locations that either they're, they're harnessing power or um, you know they have you know some ceremonial practices that are going on there, healing. Um, you know, there there. Are, been many stories of portal activity here. Um, I don't. I, I'm pretty sure we've talked before on here about the teenagers. I think it was in the 1970s that disappeared from here, where there was a um, there was a policeman nearby, and he witnessed a flash of light. And there were teenagers that were camping up there. And saw a flash of light, and then poof, the kids were gone. So another one of these ancient sites using many monoliths, not just one, but many of them. And then another type of monolith that you may not think is one, but is the Moai on Easter Island. Now, they are carved monoliths. And the photo here on the left, I know the people on the podcast cannot see this. Um, this always fascinates me with, with the Moai is how much is actually under the earth? You know, how long were these things here to have been buried that deep? Um, and you can see with the people standing how, how tall this thing really is. Um, you know, and there are so many of these on the island. It's so many different uh, theories as to how they were able to move these things around and, and, and create these tall objects. But uh, yeah, these, these statues are actually considered monoliths. And they're, they're absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, with the, with the features that are on here, the uh, you know, the head, the nose, you can see the hands down around the belly. Uh, many of these have carvings on the back. But these things are actually considered uh, monoliths, and you wouldn't really think of that. So, uh, you know, the question was thrown out there earlier about, um, you know, what is a real monolith? Well, all of these are, are real monoliths. Um, you know, it's just, you know, tall standing you know, object like that. And, you know, we we look at these ones that are showing up now, and because of, 
because of the fact it do, it doesn't look like the monolith from 2001 a space odyssey or it's not something ancient like an obelisk or whatever we're like well it's not a real monolith what it is and what is it? what's interesting about the uh, 2001 space odyssey monolith is there is a replica one <laughs> and people would say well that's a fake monolith but it, okay it's a monolith and it's in and of itself there's um a replica one in paris actually uh so that it, it would actually be a mon- a monolith of a monolith. <laughs> um, Tom McNichols, every time I see Stonehenge, I think of the scene in the European vacation when the Griswolds knock it over. <laughs> I was just watching uh, Christmas Vacation the other night with Nicole. Um, yeah, that's, that's funny, the, the Stonehenge scene. Um, all right, what am I missing here? Um... So Victoria Monday, were they buried or were they there for a long time? Um, oh, for the uh, the Moai at Easter Island, they were there for a long time, and then you know, just like you know, just like with anything, um, with, with any of our ancient objects, um, over time they they become buried as the as the dirt moves in. I mean. The uh, like you take the Sphinx in Egypt, it has actually been buried uh, for more years than it's been revealed. So they've unburied that. Uh, I don't know how many times now. You know, you you hear the stories of even in ancient times they were digging the sand out of there to reveal it again, and then it would the sand would fill back in, and then. You know, centuries later, they'd unbury the thing again. Um, it's really just over the past, what, maybe 80 years now that it has been permanently revealed, um, which is actually taking wear and tear on the Sphinx. But um, basically the same type of concept where, you know, the more you dig down into the earth, the more archaeology you find. Well, those Moai were so big, they, just, they hadn't gotten, you know, completely submerged yet. Um, you know, you can let me bring the photo back up so you can see on the right hand side how far they had gotten um, uh, buried, and that's just from natural natural elements uh, there. Now, a place like uh, Gobekli Tepe, uh, they intentionally filled that in, and there's there's evidence that that shows that it was intentionally built in the the hill. Um, that is there is essentially the the structure itself, and then they they buried it and bas- basically made a hill out of the Gobekli Tepe site. Um, the big question is why uh, they did that. Now again, there's um, a number of monoliths there uh, in Gobekli Tepe. Um, you have these T-shaped monoliths, you know, in circles, which as of now is the oldest temple that we have on record. And I say as of now because y- you never know what the, the future will reveal. You know, it was uh, not long ago that we didn't know Gobekli Tepe existed. And, you know, the archaeological community was saying, well, you know, civilization you know, didn't go back 10,000 years. It was one of the reasons why they gave... Um, like John Anthony West and Robert Shock, such a hard time with the with the Sphinx was, you know, they were trying to say, well, this thing's at least ten thousand years old based on the uh, geological evidence of the water erosion on the Sphinx enclosure. And you know, the Egyptologists are saying, well, you know, civilization didn't exist back then. You know, you can't, you, you know, we haven't found. Um, you know, archaeological evidence of, you know, basically like organic material. We don't have anything the carbon date, you know, 10,000 years ago. You know, there weren't other structures around the world um, built 10,000 years ago. You know, these are all the reasons. Oh, then up, up pops Gobekli Tepe, which they were able to date uh, to 10,000 years ago. So they're like, well, here's, you know, a contemporary uh, of what we're saying the Sphinx is. So, and, and so that's been a extremely impressive find and then you know they 
as they keep searching and discovering, they're they're finding, um, you know, evidence of more more intelligent um, cultures, uh, in in fragments of uh, civilization further and further back, which which has been absolutely fascinating. So I think as we keep exploring here uh, over the decades and over the centuries, we're going to discover that there were civilizations extremely far back that um, that we never thought possible before. I think a lot of them are under the water as well. You know, the, uh, the water level is so much higher than it was, um, you know, thousands of years ago because, well, um, after the... <laughs> After the ice age ended, you know, the ice started melting. So during the ice age, there, you know, was not as much water in the world. So a lot more land was exposed and people, you know, built their cities near the water. And then once the ice cap started melting, well, those cities became submerged under the water. And so, yeah, there's, there's so much, uh, history lost under the water and then you know under the land as well like we've been talking about so um candy orton um mike i'm wondering how an emf emf meter will react at the pyramids is it natural emf in the area or is it generated by emf from the pyramid it interests me greatly um, so, Candy, I will let you know, because when I'm in Egypt in June, that's one of the things that I'm going to be doing there. Um, yeah, there are a lot of people who talk about the pyramids being a, a power plant. Um, and one of the things that they say about why it doesn't really work so well anymore is because it's lost its insulation. Uh, one of the unfortunate things about the the pyramids, um, uh, the, the two the two large ones, is that you know they've essentially lost their their granite insulation now you can see at the top of the one um there's a little bit of that left on the great pyramid of giza it's all gone and what what ended up happening was um those stones were those those casing stones were stripped off of there and used throughout the city of Cairo and like a lot of the mosques and what have you, um, they use the stone. And so if you want to see, you know, the original, uh, outer casing stones of the, of the pyramids, you go into the city and, you know, there are buildings constructed of it. Um, but again, there are a lot of people who say that you can, you can still get a, a lot of energy within the temple itself. Um, and, kind of talked a little bit about Freddie here a couple of times so um so mike how do you think they were brought to easter island so the moai well the moai um the moai were supposed to be the rock on the island the the issue is with the moai is how did they get them upright how did they move them because they had to act they, they carved them there out of the rock that was on the island but the, the question is always, how did they move them and set them in place perfectly? And a lot of people will say wooden rollers. The problem with that is on Easter Island, there really aren't any trees. So if you don't have any trees, how do you make wooden rollers to move these things into place? That's one of the, one of the great mysteries of Easter Island. Um all right, Betty Lange, Mike, some graveyards have smaller monoliths as burial tombstones. Agreed. Well, yeah. So you'll see a lot of those small, um, well, I mean, you'll see obelisks at graveyards uh, or at cemeteries as, as headstones and grave markers or the market family plot or what have you. That's pretty common. You can... You could almost make a case to say that headstones in and of themselves, like the upright ones, are their own mini monolith. You know, and they have the carvings on there for the names, not the, um, you know, just the stone set into the ground or like the pillow type uh, headstones that kind of pop up out of the ground a little bit. Um, those wouldn't really be 
monoliths, but the ones that are just, you know, your classic uh, headstone, you could probably say are mini monoliths, yeah. And then, of course, the ones that just, you know, are like obelisks themselves, certainly uh, small monoliths. Uh, Sarah Yusuf, what about rollers made of clay or dirt? Um, I don't think rollers made of clay or dirt would really work when you have, um, you know, a hundred tons of stone on top of it. The clay or dirt would just get smashed. So that really wouldn't work. Um, Robert Hanna, uh, more structures seem to be discovered under the snow in Antarctica. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation about Antarctica these days, and I think that's going to be um, some fascinating things coming out here uh, very soon, um, at least in the coming decades, because it's, it's an area that we're starting to explore more of. Um, of course, there's, there's enough of it melting now uh, that, we'll, that more of it will be revealed. Um, and there's so many different uh, mysteries about Antarctica because it, it seems like we knew about it hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And then all of a sudden we like forgot about it. I mean, we're going based off of ancient maps that it was known long, long ago. And it, would, it showed up on a couple of ma maps, like the Piri Reese map is, is a famous one that actually shows Antarctica from long ago. And then you look at maps from like 200 years ago, there's no Antarctica there. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't show up on the maps at all because we had forgotten that it existed. And then we rediscovered it uh, back in the 1800s. So it, it's kind of interesting how that happens a lot throughout our history. You know, like right now we have, we as humans have forgotten how we created uh, so many of those massive ancient structures. Um you know, we're, we're just now coming into the technology to be able to, to do some of it. But for moving a lot of those blocks that they seemingly just put into place, like, you know, they were, they were playing Tetris or whatever. Um, you know, we don't even have cranes right now that would handle it. And the couple that we, that, that we have that would handle some of those blocks are massive, massive in scale. And you'll talk to engineers that, okay, you know, how could they have possibly have done that? And, you know, they're looking at it like, well, yeah, we only have one crane that would be able to handle that. And just to do one block of it would take us, you know, like eight hours with this massive machine to be able to set the one thing in place. So how in the world did they possibly do this? I have no idea how they did that. So it's, um, it's fascinating how uh, we as humans lose our own history over time only to rediscover it later down the road. And I think at some point we will rediscover um, how we move those things into place. The, the guy that built the Coral Castle down there in Florida um, you know, claimed to have rediscovered how the, the pyramids and those ancient structures were built, and he moved his, his blocks at uh, Coral Castle into place. Uh, he, and he, he wrote some documents on, on magnetism that I, I guess still have not yet been deciphered as to how exactly he did it. He, he had the, the one component of that that everybody believes is a mystery is this black box that he had on the top of a tripod. Did that ha actually have an effect on how he was being able to move the blocks? Nobody seems to know that. But it does seem to have uh, something to do with magnetism. Um, Candy Orton, Mike, has anyone tried to recreate a replica with the same exact natural materials to try to duplicate that energy and test it if it's effective? Perhaps it needs to be as big as a pyramid to work. Yeah, and that's that's kind of interesting uh, that, that you bring that up. Because... The you know, people have tried doing things like that to to build little replicas, um, you know, on a much much smaller scale, and it hasn't really worked, of course, uh, when they've tried to do that. And I, 
and I think you're right. I think the reason is that it needs to be on a massive scale like that for it to work effectively. There's also other things to consider here. <clears throat> it's not just the the size of it. And I do think um, pyramidal structures made of certain materials will um, will harness energy, but not as effective as where the Great Pyramid is because that is so specifically aligned astronomically um, to true north as well. And also, you know, it's sitting on one of those nodes of Tellurk current across the Earth. So it is situated in a spot to harness the Earth's energy under the ground. So if I was to try to build the Great Pyramid here in North Ridgeville, Ohio, it's not going to be as effective you know, as it is down there on the Giza Plateau because we don't have the, the same energy under the Earth here as down there. Um, now, there's solar currents running around all over the place, um, but they're more prevalent in areas than others. We've talked about solar currents and ley lines and all that stuff. Uh, on here before, and you know when when you find those those currents, and the, the ancients were able to find them and build on top of them, and then there are those um, those areas of um, continuity uh, or connectivity discontinuities. So basically, those crossing points uh, of those of those Tellur currents that would create you know, interesting. Uh, phenomenon and so they would build you know the structures on top of there to be able to do all these things that we've been talking about with ancient sense of power and so um so yeah if, if you're if you're building a smaller replica and you're not putting it there on top of the exact spot where you know the great pyramid is then you know, you're not going to have the same results and and that's uh certainly a problem Yes, we are getting down toward the end of the show here. So I really appreciate all the questions, guys. This has been a uh, very fast and interesting hour here. And I do want to thank you all again for the support with the nominations for uh, Paranormal Rewind. Uh, absolutely appreciated. And next week is our last week for the year for Edge of the Rabbit Hole Beyond the Shadows. Those are our last live weeks. So Rob Guttrell is going to be joining us for Edge of the Rabbit Hole. Uh, fantastic friend of ours. He'll be back to talk you know, more on you know, pets in the afterlife. He actually is working on his third book in that series, um, as well as Holiday Spirits. So that is going to be a very fun episode with Rob. Don't yet have a uh, subject yet for Beyond the Shadows, but maybe we'll do something seasonal for that. Um, you know, something kind of fun, kind of like, you know, what we did here with the uh, ob not the, obelisk, the monolith tonight. Something a little bit more uh, fun. Uh, again, you know, with the with the way the year has gone, I think this has just been um, a fun and creative way for the world to kind of come together and you know unite under something that's um, you know mysterious and. Um, well, I mean, it harkens back to um, not only our ancient culture, but also modern pop culture. And so it, it's just, to me, a very fun way to to connect us all together on, you know, en route to 2021. So, all right, everybody, again, thank you very much. Let's go ahead and get to the shout outs now. 